was worth it was worth a try. That was a sick tune. Uh, it was that <laughs> listeners. That was uh, courtesy of of our worky, Zach, our work experience yeah. kid, Zach. Zach. Zach Schuster. Zach Schuster. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's got he's got a lot of talent. For year ten, year ten, it was Rock Steadford this year, um, and I think that song won his yeah. Won Did his, it? Won his year at school. What Weekend. were you doing in year ten that was that useful? Not, not and that productive. Not nothing that good. Yeah, no, yeah, right. yeah, yeah, yeah. That's good a fair. Him. That's a fair point, but we're going to have true. to break it to him gently. We are but like it, Triple J on Earth. Didn't quite get there. We're giving, giving oxygen to struggling artists. Yeah, to the youth. To the youth. Hello and welcome to the Cars Guide podcast, where we tear down, pressure test, and rebuild the issues of the automotive week. I'm James, and with me are Richard. Hello. And back for another lash, our Cars Guide colleague, M4. Thanks for having me back. Hey. This week, we'll look at the fact that Ford is recalling a pretty decent number of its Ranger trucks, and Mazda at the same time, not surprisingly, is recalling some BT50s. We'll find out why. Next year, we're looking down the barrel of a couple of Chevrolets coming here with the authority of Holden HSV. It's going to be a Camaro and a Silverado. Talking of trucks, that's a substantial one. Mm. But first, Volvo, its autonomous car program. They've announced that it's going to be delayed by four years. This is, um, this is not surprising as far as I'm concerned. And we've, we've heard others making some pretty bold claims about when fully autonomous vehicles are going to be in market. Richard, a, a certain Blue Oval has made some claims. What, what's the status with that? Yeah, look, I think it was uh, 2016 that uh, Ford uh, Global came out and announced that they would uh, be releasing a Stage 5 uh, level autonomy uh, driverless car. Uh, so Stage 5 is the unsupervised version of, of, of autonomy. Effectively no steering wheel. No steering yeah. wheel at all. You can get in the back and read a book type of thing. Uh and it's now 2017, almost 18, and uh, they've got a couple more years. I think 2021 was the was the date that they would be launching this vehicle. Yeah, I was with uh, Ford uh, CEO, uh, Ford Australia CEO Graham Wickman, and and a couple of months ago, and just asked him how that was all going along. That, that was in the sauna, wasn't it? In the sauna. Yeah, uh, <laughs> as he was putting some more. Bit more, bit more water, water on the rocks. On the rocks. Yeah. And I said, how's the uh, 2021 date going for fully autonomous and vehicles? And please put a towel on. <laughs> it yeah. did fall off. It did fall off. Oh, <laughs> yours or his? <laughs> 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 okay. He told what did he say? He told me it was coming along quite nicely. What about the car, though? <laughs> the auto- <laughs> what about the autonomy? <laughs> he was talking about the autonomy. 2021, apparently it's all on track. And M4, what's your take on this? You've got some inside mail as well, haven't you? Yeah, look, they did say that it would be sold to fleets, it wouldn't be sold to private buyers, and I think that's you know that's probably where the infancy of autonomy yeah. will be. Yes. Um, because, God, you don't want to see those sorts of cars uh, being possessed by regular consumers, it's I true. don't think. I mean, it's true. as we get... To that point, there are a certain number of stepping stones, you know, yeah. level three, level four, and then level five eventually where there's no steering wheel and no pedals. But, yeah. you know, for Volvo to say, oh. oh, we're pushing it back four years, it's like, well... It's the first one to blink, isn't it? Yeah. It's a, it's a bit like um, an election campaign where big promises are made. Then, lo and behold, oh, God, we've won the election. Yeah. We've actually got to deliver on these things. And time is rushing up at these brands that have made, like Carlos Goen. Um, right. has made some big claims for Nissan and Renault yeah. about when they're going to have autonomous cars, fully autonomous cars ready for sale. I don't know about that. 
Yeah, I think uh, maybe the whole industry is starting to realise this isn't just as mm. simple as going, oh, we can do it so people will have to live with it. Yeah. It's There's a lot of barriers to making this technology work in the real world. Well, one of the brands which actually is sort of leading the way, and I'm not talking about Tesla, it's Mercedes-Benz, and they're also one of the brands which is downplaying it all. I went to a Autonomous Tech Day uh, last year and they had... Uh, a gentleman called Jochen Harb, who's in charge of validation and communication for safety and safety systems for Mercedes-Benz Global. That's a huge job. Big, big job. Yeah. Um, and he gave a presentation on, on all the different levels. And one of the questions you know, that we asked was, you know, when are we going to see fully autonomous cars? And he smiled like, are you serious? He's like, and he said, look, 30 yeah. years? Yes. He's been one of the only people that said a long time. A 30 years a is long. a generation. Yeah. Precisely. Um, and I think he's right. Because you're talking about technical issues, you're talking about ethical and legal issues, you're talking about all kinds of things that have to go together to make that level five thing work. And it's almost mind-boggling when you start to, even as a layperson, just investigate some of the issues that need to be 100% buttoned down before yeah. that can happen. And I think mm. the good news is that people who are taxi drivers or Uber drivers will be in the job for a little bit longer because <laughs> we're not going to see those little pods that you can summon that can come and pick you yeah. up from the pub. Yeah. Not yet, anyway. No. Yeah. And one of the things that terrifies me slightly, and I know you, Matt, and you, James, too, as you're fans of old cars like me, will there come You're not an old car. <laughs> <laughs> I have an Sorry, old car. Continue. I have an old car. I've got a 1951 yeah, yeah. Ford. Okay. Will we be told that we can't drive our cars on the road at some point because they don't have any autonomous well, look, features? That, that's the other thing, isn't it? You've got a couple of things developing in parallel and you have various jurisdictions like, I want to say London, Paris, saying only electric vehicles in our boundaries within a certain date. That's all well and good and it's great to set the bar high and challenge car brands to come up with something. But what we've seen, you know, witness Dieselgate where you, you tighten those screws too hard mm. and people will cut corners. Mm. So I, for one, would be, yeah, let the propeller heads do their thing and develop it fully before um, getting in front of yourself with legislation. Yeah, and I think it's good that Volvo are scaling it back a bit. I think that's being realistic. Yeah. Um, and then you've got other brands like Porsche who this week came out and said that they'll be one of the last brands with steering wheels. So yeah. that's... That's fantastic. I mean, yeah, it makes yeah. you realise that there is a future for people who are car enthusiasts as well as those who are more into the tech and you bet. the yeah. inherent safety that will come with these autonomous systems eventually. Yeah, yeah. others. Like Aston Martin's a bit the same. Like yeah. we don't, we're not going there. Yeah. You know, that's yeah. not what we do. Yeah. So, yeah, it's interesting. Hmm. All right. Well, we'll move on, but uh, not very far because we're still going to stick with Volvo, the catalyst for that little conversation. And, Richard, you've been behind the wheel of an XC60 that does involve some non-autonomous driving. You were involved in the driving process and yeah. you found it a bit perplexing. Look, there, this, it's a, it is a beautiful car. I'll, I'll start off by saying that straight away. It's the Volvo XC60. It's the, the hybrid. It's the T8 and it comes with the, the R-Design bits and pieces on it. And there's a crystal gear shifter knob which is a little bit confronting at first. Is it inside a pyramid? It's... <laughs> <laughs> It's at the Mind Body Spirit Festival. It's fully, right. it's fully Mind Body Spirit. And that's what I reckon. It's yeah. the first. Yeah, it's the first thing you notice when you get in the car. Anyway, you can. I've watched. I've watched it being made in a, in a YouTube video. They handmade it. Um, there's a there's a glass. There's a crystal glass works factory in Sweden called Orifice. And um, Orifice. No, it's spelt different to that. Orifice. Um, <laughs> That's an interesting name. No matter a, how it's spelled, <laughs> I think it's Orifors. Orifors. Anyway. Sorry, sorry, yeah. sorry. <laughs> anyway, I've seen it being made. Don't, don't look. 
to, to all our listeners out there, don't don't bother watching the video. It's quite it's quite a boring yeah. video. But anyway, they okay. they are handmade. You can only get it in the T eight. But that's not the issue. I mean, it is weird. It does feel like you're changing gears with a glass of scotch in your hand, right? Because um, you've so it's like a little. It's, whiskey glass. It's yeah, kind, that's kind of like what it is. And, and what's it's the like, alleged advantage? Why why has this been done? Is it purely aesthetic, or is there yeah, some kind no of advantage? No practical it's just, advantage. It's just okay. for looks. I'm pretty sure it's all for looks. All right. It's the first crystal gear knob I've ever encountered. <laughs> yeah. Um, I've well, seen some it, on the aftermarket um, oh, shelves, really? like uh, rip off ones, like yeah, right. You know, pretty much like what you would have found in a bathroom <laughs> in the 1980s. But <laughs> is like it Aston that has the crystal key or a glass key? Yes, yes. they have a crystal key. You crystal don't want to key. Drop that. You don't want to drop so it. So crystal's yeah. a bit of a thing mm. in this part of the century. Mm. Mm. Okay. Well, look, I mean, that was peculiar. But what was sort of odd was that this hybrid, uh, which has uh, you know a claimed fuel cons- you know, consumption of 2.1 liters per hundred. Yes. I got 14. 14. 14 litres per hundred. And what happened, the reason why is because I never plugged it in. I never well, plugged okay. it in. And okay. I was carrying around 200 kilos worth of batteries and electric motor. Yes. Um, so as well as the batteries and electric motor that was in the car. That's right. <laughs> right. Okay. He just took a spare just in case. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's, that's right. right. That's right. So, so yeah. if, if as a lot of people are, are likely to do from time yeah. to time, not be bothered with plugging in and doing all that stuff. Oh, look, I promised myself I would, but I'd get home from work each night and I was exhausted. I never <clears> did. Um, I'd yep. be lying in bed going, I've got to plug it in, right? And never, I'd just went back to bed. Yeah. yeah. So that's maybe more a statement of you yes. than the intended buyer I, of that car. I can't be trusted with a plug-in hybrid. If, if it was me, I'd go for the T6. It still gets that supercharged, turbocharged, 235 kilowatt, 400 newton meter um, four-cylinder engine. Yep. Um, but I can't be trusted with electricity. Yeah. Um, and I think yeah. the other thing with those sorts of claimed figures, 2.1 litres per 100 kilometres, you're only ever going to get that for the first 100 kilometres because <laughs> yeah. your battery runs out That's and then you've right. got y- – your fuel use has to rise. That's like, right. There it's is true, no right. argument against yeah. that. Yeah. So it's very much based on a cycle. Yeah. And yeah. you're never going to get out of that well, cycle. That's it. So, a 250-kilometre yeah. trip to you know from Sydney to Newcastle or Canberra. Mm-hmm. You know, you're exactly right for the first 100 k's. You know, you, you've got electricity, but after that, no. Yeah. So, yeah, it's true, mm. isn't it? It's a very selective yeah. uh, way of mm. looking at it. Very much so. And I'm sure Volvo's not alone. Anyway, the whiskey glass yes. gear shifter, the we're not a fan. Not a fan. Not the or- or- I orifice. I don't need the crystal, crystal knob, um, the okay. body spirit <laughs> okay. uh, knob. All right, yeah. oh, look, on that note, I think yeah. it's time for us to take a quick quick break. And as 2017 draws to a close, so do centenary celebrations for our long-term sponsor, the Winton Motor Company. What a year it's been. Rolling back through the milestone moments that have made Winton the Aussie icon it is today. Sadly, despite best efforts to get our good mate and Winton's PR maestro, Frosty Chops, into the studio, he's failed to surface after yesterday's Winton Motor Company Christmas party. Oh, that's um, unlike him. Look, I, don't, I don't know about you guys, but I saw some stuff on social media last night. Yeah, it's, I was going to say. It's classic frosty. It was all frosty. My whole feed was frosty. <laughs> he was spamming us. On the tree, in the tree, yeah, look, on the photocopier. The pants, oh. all that. And then, look, yeah. I've called and texted him this morning uh, to no avail. But the good news is he'd already sent us a radio spot from the company's advertising archive cool. that marks a huge turning point for the brand. The arrival of a car that 25 years ago turned the local performance car market upside down and raised eyebrows around the world. Roll tape. (music) 
It's a four-wheeled protest against mediocrity and goes like a bat out of Winton. The new for 82 Winton Turbo blazes from zero to excitement in a heartbeat. To its Bathurst competitors, it's a bad dream. To its owners, it's the stuff dreams are made of. But whether, like factory racer Frank Gardner, you drive it for a living, or simply live to drive it, the results are unmistakably Winton. Isn't it time you drove a real Australian muscle car? Be part of the Winton Turbo generation. Winton, it makes you feel like the man you are. Wow. Ah. The first Winton Turbo. What a machine. That was and the Winton Turbo. Yeah. An what icon. A machine. Yeah. An icon yeah. of, of Australian automotive. Well, it's when it's I awesome. first found out about Winton was yeah. the Winton Turbo. Yeah. Um, I think that was my era. I was a kid in the 80s. Um, yeah. And that was, there were other cars out there, but um, it was either that or the Cordia Turbo. And I think I was a Winton, a Winton yes. guy. Those, those yeah. 82s are bringing big money they now are. too. <laughs> they you are. Know, if you look in are. the Cars Guide listings, they yeah. come up every now yeah. and then. Yeah. But yeah. they're big bucks. Yeah. I don't know. It's out of my league. Very similar to BMW. His M3 wheels at the time as well yeah. on the yep. Winton. Yeah. All right. Well, look, thanks, Frosty. I'm sure you're out there. We won't have to put the, the search party out just yet, but it might be getting close to Where that. Where was he last seen? It was Dar- they had it down in Darling Harbour, I think it was, he was on the dance floor for a while. <laughs> in, I don't know what the venue was, but all I could see was the, the dance floor and uh, Frosty basically sprawled across it. Oh, God. Look, uh, if, it's, if it's anything like last year, if he's gone missing before Christmas, you won't find him till next year. So... He's I wouldn't. I wouldn't hold out too much hope. Yeah, he's too old. He's to an be animal. Going that hard. Oh, he's an animal. You're never going to stop the guy. He's unstoppable. Pushing 70. Just like a Winton. He's unstoppable. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Anyway, look. Moving on. Ford has had to bite the bullet and recall a substantial number of its Ranger Utes this week. The announcement went out that sixty thousand Rangers will receive a recall notice, and at the same time, not surprisingly, its Mazda Twin, the BT50, uh, seventeen thousand of those will have to trundle back to the dealership and have rectification work carried out because its diesel particulate filter seems to be a bit of a grass catcher that would do a Victor lawnmower proud. And once it does pile in there, if it's dry, the heat can start a fire. What do you make of that M4? Well, I mean, that's a lot of vehicles that are affected by this recall of something that, you know, might only affect a very small number Number in in reality. Like when, I mean... If you go off-road quite a bit, you might find yourself in some long grass. Um, maybe. Maybe. <laughs> or you might not. Um, so to, to have to make this this actual recall event is, yes. is a pretty big thing. Um, obviously good to see that preventative measure being taken um, because, you know, there's, there'd be nothing more embarrassing than just seeing ranges and BT-50s going up in flames. Yeah. Uh, but it's very much having to act on a worst case scenario, isn't yeah, it? You know, yeah. Yeah. I mean, a lot of recalls are, they're, they're very much precautionary measures. Yes. You know, it's the, the chance of this actually happening to anyone is pretty slim. 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 But, you know, clearly it's evident. But yeah. it has happened once yeah. already. So, I mean, any insurance salesman will tell you if an accident or, a, or an incident can happen once, it's will bound to happen again. Yes. So, yeah, one, one, one incident is enough for a recall. Yeah. Um, 
All right. So to all those Ranger owners out there and the BT50 drivers, I want to say it was from uh, beginning in 2016. I don't July have 2016. July 2016. Yeah. So I would hazard a guess that that's pretty much all production from July 2016 yep. uh, mm-hmm. to now um, is heading for a recall. So beware of that. Let us know what you think about uh, that if you're an owner. And uh, yeah. Look forward to, forward to getting in contact with all the owners. They do it by mail which is Good, isn't like it? snail mail. Mm. Yeah. But if you are concerned, you can go to the ACCC website. They list all the VIN numbers of the vehicles that have been affected. Yeah. Um, see if yours is there um, right. and get it fixed because apparently that, that um, diesel particulate filter gets really, really hot. hot. And it might not just be grass, which, yeah. you know. Um, yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, look, speaking of utes, uh, we're stepping up in the ute territory. We're actually going to be looking at big, big pickup trucks. There's already one in the Australian market in the shape of the Ram Laramie uh, that's been coming in for a little while. But next year, HSV and Holden have announced that they will be bringing in and converting from left to right-hand drive the Chevrolet Camaro and the Chevrolet Silverado. The Silverado is a monstrous pickup that looks properly tough in the, in the US mould. And the Camaro, we all know, is a as a you know a competitor for the likes of um, Ford's Mustang, and it's going to be coming here in in smaller numbers than Ford. But it's pretty exciting exciting news in Ford. What I, do you make of it? I think it's thrilling news for a lot of different people. Like me, I I've spent a lot of time in all the current dual cab Utes that are out there, and you know what I've always thought to myself every time I've driven one, this isn't big enough. Like, needs to be bigger. Needs to be more imposing in traffic. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's right. I need to be able to ram people. No, this is um, this is, it's great news because there is a market for bigger dual cab utes out there. Yes, yeah. Um, as we've seen, some of these conversion houses that do these utes for one hundred and fifty, hundred and sixty thousand dollars, the money doesn't stop people because if you need a vehicle that can tow a certain amount of weight and also be super duper comfortable, then these sorts of things you just have to have it. Exactly. I mean, with with a big turbo V8 it's diesel a tur- engine. Turbo yeah. diesel V8, and you'll never forget the torque output because it's 1234, 1,234 newton metres, which is extraordinary. That, that is, is enough to insane. pull a small house off its stumps. It's yeah, more than... Absolutely. More than, if my maths is correct, more than double what you get in a Colorado, there you for go. example. There you so go. There's, yeah. there's plenty of torque on offer, and that's yeah. the appeal of these sorts of things. And there's, there's something very guilty pleasurable about it in that you look at yeah. it and go, that's obscene, yeah. you know, yeah. ecologically speaking. Yeah. You shouldn't be doing it, but you go, oh, yeah. that looks good, it's, it's, I like it. It's the double coat Tim Tam. Yeah. <laughs> it's, totally, it's totally unnecessary. When yeah. you go to the States and you see these trucks, and yeah. anyone that's gone to the US and loves cars, you walk up to them and, you know, you'll be with your, your, your better half and you'll be going, the bonnet. Bonnet's up to there. And yeah. You'll be putting a line on your chest. That's yes. how high they Where are. it hits the pedestrian. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. my God. Yeah. There's the, yeah. F, the F trucks in the US, they come in, you know, a Texas edition. Yeah. Which get, you know, bolstered with all sorts of and extra gun rated on kits yeah. and yeah. stuff like that. I can't wait anyway, to Anyway, I, I think we're all excited about it. It's, yeah. it's good fun. And yeah. the Camaro, um, Ford's probably going to sell about uh, – well, they, they – Put it this way, HSV expects to do about a 1,000 Camaros mm. um, this year. The Mustang will probably be 10 times that yeah, by the yeah. end of this year. Yeah. That's a lot yeah. of cars. So we're only talking a, a 1 in 10 ratio, but it's still a pretty much straight-up competitor um, yeah. for the Mustang. It's just the conversion thing that, yeah. that limits it in that it, sense. It probably yeah. won't be a competitor on price. No. That's that's where the Mustang is going to have its biggest advantage. True. Because to, to bring a car in and convert it, mm. that's an expensive process. Yeah, so definitely. they're going to have to... 
charge that and bring that on to the customer and that's just going to, you know, but that'll separate the people who really want one and the people yeah. who probably can't actually afford yeah, one. Yeah, true. So. People will pay it if they, you know, if it's good enough. Yep. Because, yeah. you know, it's it's the Ford Mustang now, it's not exactly um, a specialised offering. It's kind of like mm. bums. Everyone's got one. That's You it. know, they're, they're, they're out there. There's a lot of them out there. Yeah. Whereas, you know, if you want a bit more exclusivity in your US muscle car, the Camaro mm. might fit the bill. Yeah. Mm. yeah. yeah. Mm. It's, I mean, it's a good-looking thing too. It's a bit more modern-looking, I is. think, than the, than the Mustang. But then, again, there is the 2018 Mustang coming as well, which sees a facelift, sees a bit of a safety improvement. Yep. So... It's going to be. I mean, who would have thought that that muscle cars would be a, still a talking point in twenty eighteen? Yeah, definitely. So this thing's going to be. I don't know which LS engines in it, but it's six point yep. two liters. It's got well north of three hundred kilowatts. You know, something like three twenty, something yep. like that. Yeah, that's amazing. It's twenty seventeen. You're right. Well, nearly twenty eighteen. I love that the fact that we're going down this sort of electrified future. It's actually just making that Camaro Mustang combustion engine more niche and more special yeah right way. yeah 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 there's, yeah, there's definitely point. appeal there yeah gotcha yeah. all right mm. well we're we're excited about both those things but for slightly different reasons i think it's time to take just another short break uh we'll hear a message from our colleagues at oversteer what happens when you put three hooligans together in one room you get a podcast full of hectic banter hummer <laughs> is for any rugged man this manly scent possesses oh, well, a blend. That, that, that rules me right out. <laughs> Jeez. Stupid stories. It's it's a cruise ship with all the inside scooped out, water fills it up, and then you put a pirate ship in the middle. It's nothing more gangster than a ship in a ship. You're an idiot. And some discussion about cars. So we've got the K cars as well. What do you guys think? There's this new Honda sports concept there. I think it looks so cool. It, it does look a bit funky, mate. The Oversteer Podcast on the Cars Guide website iTunes and where all good podcasts are sold. And now, as we promised, it's time for Muskwatch. This time around, what what special lunacy has our Silicon Valley friend uh, brought to us? M4, you've got some uh, financial news. Well, it's not so much from Elon Musk himself. Um, <laughs> it's from from a Wall Street veteran uh, named Jim Chanos who um, has basically come out and said that he thinks that Tesla stock is worthless. Yes. Now, it's a pretty big call. Way to go, a huge Jim. call. For, yeah. for shares that are trading at, what, nearly $300 or whatever it is. Yep. Um, but... Basically, he's come out and said what we're all thinking, that um, maybe there's not going to be that Tesla uh, truck in 2019 and or that Tesla Roadster in 2020, because how can they build them? Sure. Um, that's the big question on everyone's mind. They can't build the Model 3, so how are they going to build anything else? Yeah. And Richard, talking of trucks, yep. we've got some follow-up orders on the books. Yes, yeah, so last week, Pepsi was the l- largest uh, customer orderer. Uh, they ordered 100 Tesla trucks. Uh, that's just been trumped by UPS, their parcel delivery service. They've ordered 125. So that's why it's 225 <laughs> trucks that are waiting to be built and delivered. Yes, right. and so far we've seen evidence of two. Two, yeah. 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 There's a few more to go. So this is the thing, like... Uh, Chanos, this is a direct quote. He's told CNBC, there have been all kinds of announcements that this company has made that turned out not to be true. And that's enough to make a Wall Street veteran go, well, 
this company the emperor is has full the emperor has no clothes yeah yes there are a lot mm-hmm. of things being said but mm-hmm. nobody's actually calling them out mm-hmm. so now old jimmy boy he's he's done it but look the good news is that we'll be going to mars uh, oh, before we know it so. precisely yeah, yeah we'll be needing Yep. Rover vehicles for Mars before we need electric trucks. Just make sure you wear your, your boring cap, yep, guys. Right. <laughs> yes. Yeah, well, I think old Elon, uh, Elon's offering um, 10 boring hat buyers a tour of the LA tunnel and they get to drive the boring machine. Wow. Mm. Anyway, I, I really want this to happen, though. I really oh, want Elon. God. I really want it to work. I want to believe. In the boring or in, in all any of it? Of it. In, in all, all, of, all it. of it. Yeah. But, yeah. but And I used to be quite... You know, a bit of a fanboy. Um, I mean, I'm a petrol head through and through, but I really like his style. But I'm beginning to get worried that this is just maybe not what I think it is. It's all smoke and mirrors. All smoke and mirrors. Mm. Yeah. Well, mm. that's that's must watch. So that's <laughs> that's the update. We'll we'll move on to another controversial subject. That last time he was with us, uh, M4 had put it on the table. We didn't quite have time to get around to it, but we've we've had a lot of words written, a lot of words spoken about. Uh, Land Rover, Range Rover's new Velar. Mm-hmm. And I, for one, who drove the car, I know Richard's had a steer, and M4, you've been behind the wheel and experienced it well and truly. I think it's a beautiful machine. I, I love the way it looks inside and out, and I, I'm confused by anybody that doesn't see it that way. So over to you, M4, Mr. Confusion. And I'm confused by anyone who sees it the opposite <laughs> way I do. Um, That's I, great. What I is happen- it you don't like about it? I happen to think that... It's pushed Range Rover design a little too far into smooth and slippery territory because Range Rover has always been about muscular but still athletic-looking vehicles. So vehicles that have haunches and have have bulk but but carry their bulk well. Right. So like a, I don't know, maybe a swimmer, for example. Got you. But now it looks more like an eel. Oh, wow. So, so it's, it's lost some of its physical personality. Well, yeah. I mean, right. you look at the front bumper and the grill and it all just melts into one. Right. And it's then beautiful. you look at the side right. of it and of it. it's just like right. roundedness. Wow. And then the back end and like the tail lights is, I mean, obviously the point was made that this is how they want it to look, mm. that everything is sleek and streamlined. Mm. To me, sleek and streamlined was cool when the Ford Taurus came out, that melted-looking thing in oh, the 90s. That was gross. That was when sleek and that sort of style you, you was You tell what was the front and what was the back. It was like a worm. Well, the one we exactly. got was actually a blend between the Ford Taurus and the Mercury version. Mm-hmm. I think we mm-hmm. got the Mercury front on it and the rest of it was Taurus. So it was a bit of a design-by-committee job anyway. <laughs> you can't compare the Velada with Taurus. Um, like, I think I just did. You can. Yeah. Uh, no, it just happened. <laughs> Look... I, look, I know what you mean. Uh, Range Rovers have always had that mega blocks look about them <coughs> where they've just been, you know, steps and then down again. Yeah. Um, but I don't know. I like it. I That's like a really that interesting point. I, I reckon another side issue or almost a parallel issue is that maybe it's the, the shock of the new in terms of Jerry McGovern has driven uh, Range Rover and Land Rover's design mm-hmm. in such a, a firm direction mm-hmm that they have a bit of sameness about them. That in, in traffic anyway, I'm struggling a bit between Land Rovers and Range Rovers. Mm. There's so mm. much corporate ID in yep. every design. Yep. That said, looking at the Velar as a standalone product, I, I like the way 
that it's gone. I can understand exactly where you're coming from, yeah. but I think it the interior as well is just superb. You know, the the reductionism that they've they've applied to all of the various functions and making it all work through just a couple of screens is is superb. And then there's the problem with the couple of screens is that you've got to look <laughs> yeah. away every time you want to adjust anything. You won't be able to figure out those controls okay. no matter how long you spend in that car. Yeah. And it looks beautiful. I admit that. It does look beautiful, but it's not functional. Okay. And for me, the outside would probably look more at home wearing a Jaguar badge. Yeah, right, right. And I think right. the F-Pace could wear a Range Rover badge. badge. Mm. Interesting. So they've, they've just maybe, in my mind, it's the wrong way around. Yeah. And, I mean, then you've got things like the Discovery, which moved away from that boxy look to a to a very big degree with the latest generation mm. version. And I also think that's a pretty hideous looking vehicle. Okay. So I don't know whether it's... Isn't someone selling an insert kit where you can straighten up the registration plate on the back door? <laughs> um, there is you an can after, actually get it sent. Yeah, there's yeah, an really? aftermarket yeah. modifier that is doing that, that is straightening them up because... No way. It's... <laughs> It's just wrong. Yeah, it is like wrong. you it look is. at, I saw a disco fall this morning on the on the freeway on the way in, yeah. and the offset plate works because of mm. the way the back end is laid out, but it just doesn't work in yeah. this new generation. And they've kept that look, that that design, as a bit of a homage to mm. earlier discoveries, haven't they? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was the point of it. Yeah. But I mean, this is the beauty of styling and design of cars, right? We can we can all have our own exactly very distinct opinions, exactly. And and when we are as as a group. Uh, talking about the look of cars, it is worth remembering that it's such a subjective area, yeah. um, as witnessed by the conversation that we've just had. Um, so each to their own. And look, people have bought Sanyong Stavix. That's it. Uh, <laughs> beauty is in the eye of, of the credit card holder, I yes, think. Yes, so, I suppose yeah. so. I suppose so. Look, that's a great discussion. With that, we've reached the finish line. Uh, for for another week and that'll be the last podcast that we'll we'll put out there for 2017 it's been terrific thank you richard thank you happy christmas and all that and m4 yes happy holidays thanks for having me again thanks to to barbara on the buttons and dials forget passive aggressive he's just aggressive and always gets the job done brilliantly and thank you for listening we'd love to hear your thoughts on today's show or anything else that's on your mind Search for Cars Guide on Facebook and Instagram and use the hashtag CG Podcast or email us at comments at carsguide.com.au. Remember to subscribe and please rate and review us on iTunes. It helps spread the word on the podcast. I hope you can join us in 2018. We're looking forward to another big year. Until then, if you're driving over the holiday period, leave sooner, drive safer, live longer.